Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hello, this is episode seven, How Time Flies When You're Making Podcasts in the Midst of a Pandemic. Yes, this podcast is being released in the week where Melbourne has been placed under some very severe lockdown restrictions. Wherever you are listening to CRE Success, the podcast, I do hope that you are healthy and safe. Today, my guest is Rob Ed, the Managing Director of Unispace in Asia Pacific. I think today's interview highlights the fact that this is a podcast for everyone who works in commercial real estate, not just people who work in agencies. Rob joined Unispace, which is a global leader in business and commercial interior design in 2020. And before that, he spent nearly a decade in various leadership roles at Len Lease, which is, of course, a leading global construction property and infrastructure company. One of the things that Rob and I will be discussing is transferable skills. Rob has worked in other industries such as fast-moving consumer goods, resources and the public sector, so he has good knowledge about how to engineer a career change, which will no doubt be of use if you currently don't work in commercial real estate and you'd like to break in, or if you'd like to know how you might be able to utilise your commercial real estate skills in another sector in the future. We'll also talk about leadership, success and ambition. If you'd like to review any part of today's episode or any of our previous episodes, did you know that we provide transcripts? There is no need to take notes because you can read through our interviews just like you would read through a profile in a magazine by visiting our website, cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. You can see the transcripts located in the middle of that page, just under the embedded podcast player and episodes. For now, though, don't go anywhere because our interview with Rob Aird of Unispace starts in 30 seconds. If you're interested in the flexible workspace boom happening across Australia, Hub Australia is one of the best operators with seven beautiful sites in four capital cities. They offer premium workspaces with desks, offices and suites and partner with landlords and corporate customers to provide and produce high quality workspaces, making sure their members love coming to work. If you have a client or partner looking for their next workspace or business opportunity, email hello at hubaustralia.com or visit hubaustralia.com. And now it's time for the interview on CRE Success, the podcast. Rob, welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Thank you, Darren. I appreciate your time. Rob, the first thing we do is we ask people at the start of the episode to step into the virtual elevator and to give us their 20 to 30 second introduction, their elevator pitch, if you will. So, Rob, who are you? So I am the Asia Pacific MD of a company called Unispace. Uh, we are specialists in the design and construction of workplaces around the world. Uh, I'm what I call a generalist manager. I, I've worked across a lot of different industries. I've worked in lots of different roles. I've worked in lots of different types of companies. Um, and so bring quite a broad experience uh, as opposed to a deep, deep experience in, in real estate itself. Uh, and so I suppose that's been quite handy given the last month or two as I've, I've moved into a new role. Uh, it's helped me to deal with what's been a pretty a pretty wild ride with coronavirus, chewing up two months of my first four months on the job. But you're not new to real estate because your last position was at Lendlease, correct? 
yes and no. Uh, so I spent nine years in Lendlease. Uh, in part, though, uh, in large part, I was in the infrastructure side of the business more than the commercial real estate side of the business. So okay. it was really only the last year or two that I, I crossed more into the commercial real estate. But having said that, I was part of that environment and watched a lot of it and was part of that larger organisation for that entire time. Okay. So tell me more about your role at Unispace. So at Unispace, uh, I run the Asia-Pacific region, which means Australia, New Zealand and Asia. Uh, our Australia and New Zealand businesses are quite mature. So, you know, heading up upwards of 100, 150 million uh, of revenue, uh, growing quite rapidly, 20, 30% per year. And we do strategy uh, design and construction of workplaces. So for most of the, the large brand name companies you'd know out there, we're, we're working across the board, be it legal, pharma, industrial, energy, et cetera, et cetera. I've got quite a large team. We've got a couple of hundred people uh, spread across the region. We have a combination of uh, strategists, designers, construction managers, project managers, estimators, pre-contracts, finance, et cetera, et cetera. Quite a large sales team as well uh, to go and find those projects and to bring them in. Um, so really interesting role managing all of those uh, and trying to bring it all together for a an outcome for our business needs, obviously, but also for our clients. And you mentioned strategy and design. And given everything that's going on at the moment with the coronavirus, people are obviously looking for information about what is the future of work going to look like. So I can imagine that your strategists in particular are in quite high demand. Uh, they are in massive demand at the moment between the strategy team and the marketing team. That's where it all is. Not much revenue and profit coming off them at the moment, to be perfectly honest, but hopefully laying the seeds for, uh, for the next 6, 12, 18 months. But um, yeah, the future of work, you know, so actually starting with return to work is a, a massive focus area because that's got its own complications. But thinking more ahead to what the future of work is, is, is quite profound at the moment. So we're doing a mix of things there, actually, Darren. We're, um, we're out interviewing people. So our, our strategy team is split two ways. Uh, we've got some doing primary research, talking to C-suite executives about what they're currently experiencing and what they're thinking the future holds for them so that we've got that, uh, that raw data. Uh, then we're also out talking to a lot of clients, advising them on what we think best practice looks like. And yeah, we've been doing a few uh, few radio spots uh, and some some stuff on uh, on Channel Seven recently. Where we've been in the Fin Review, we've been in all sorts of places getting our message out. So it's pretty exciting times actually for those uh, those strategists at the front of the business. Yeah, previously, uh, if you look at some of the commercial real estate service firms, they weren't front and centre, but they now very much are. Yeah, look, I think this is our our fifteen minutes of fame in some ways. We uh, we, we have a chance to talk about something that is. Uh, it's always been important. It's always been a big strategic investment for our clients, but you know, it, it, it's extremely important at the moment to think about how coronavirus changes the workplace and how people want their workplace to change the culture and the, and the work uh, methods of their business, which is a, a pretty important time to be around. So Rob, I guess it's not just the workplace that's been impacted by coronavirus in your world, but also your first 100 days on the job, which are critical moments for any senior leader in a new role. How has the last two or three months been different to what you had hoped for or intended? Uh, so I probably had my first 50 days and then my second 50 days were very, very different. So my uh, my first 50 days were much like what you'd expect. Not a very uh, tactical, operational sort of 50 days. I was lucky that I was coming into a, a successful, uh, well-managed business. Uh, it was actually a new role I was coming into. We, we've grown a lot. So our uh, the, my, my predecessor is actually now full-time as the CEO of the business. So 
I essentially came into a newly created role, which means I didn't have to be doing transactional day-to-day sorts of things because it's not like they were being done before. So I was actually able to kind of inject myself uh, slowly and focus on strategy and relationship building and you know, all those sorts of things that you need to do to, to, to manage an entry well into a in, into that sort of environment. Um, so I spent a lot of my time on that. Um, in Asia, I actually had to focus a lot more on a strategy build, uh, trying to work out what our market entry there was. Uh, so, so lots of sort of higher level things, which which were all going quite well. Uh, and then all of a sudden, over the course of a couple of days, like most people, I think we realized that coronavirus was a whole lot more serious than what we had thought it was uh, back in February. And I straight away swung into crisis management mode. So I ended up being pretty heavily involved in driving our, our global crisis management response for the business. So working out how to get people out of offices, working out um, you know, cash management scenario planning, um, working out what we do with our labor costs, because obviously in, in a business like ours, it's essentially you know, entirely a labor cost-driven business. Um, and thinking through all sorts of you know, other safety and quality sorts of issues. So um, it kind of swung very quickly into that mode. Um, then over the last few weeks, um, it's turned more to rethinking what the future is going to look like for our business. So I think we've got a view of what our, our pipeline looks like and what our financial uh, forecast looks like now. Uh, so it's very much about resetting the cost base of the business to those things and refocusing our priorities. So pretty wild ride over the uh, the second half of my 100-day plan, I have to say. But I guess given your, as you described, generalist management background, a lot of that strategy and a lot of that uh, crisis management know-how would have been very useful during a period like this. I think so. I think that was a, a testament to the nine years I spent in Lendlease uh, and some previous roles that I'd been able to, you know, if not being involved in things firsthand, I'd certainly been around an awful lot of different business situations. I'd been around you know, growth cycles. I'd been around turndowns. I'd been around crises. I'd been around different business models. And so that equipped me fairly well for managing coronavirus, I, I, I think. It was a lot more about pattern recognition than it was about having to work everything out from first principles. So before Lend-Lease, you worked for a diverse range of industries, fast-moving consumer goods, resources, and of course at Lend-Lease Infrastructure and Construction. Now you're at Unispace, and I'm curious to know, what do you think the specific traits are that are important to be successful in real estate or more specifically commercial real estate that are perhaps unique to the industry we work in? Yeah, I've been lucky to work across a lot of different industries. I've always sought out different sorts of roles. I've sought out different challenges. Uh, and I, I found myself in real estate somewhat coincidentally, to be perfectly honest. I find, you know, probably 80% of things are much of a muchness across industries. There's always a, a 20% that's different and that's what you have to go and learn. Uh, in the case of real estate, I find it's about the complexity of the industry structure. It's about how many stakeholders there are and hence how many contractual relationships there are between them. So for me, I I really struggled early on to understand that contracting environment. It's not something I'd been exposed to before I came to this industry. And it took a long time to learn, you know, things like the accounting structures around around construction, but also simply the risk sharing and balancing that and enforcement of contracts how to manage the, the interpersonal relationships around those contracts. It was those things I found difficult. So I think that's what's unique about this industry. And then the, probably the second thing also is you know, related to that. It's because there are so many stakeholders, you have to spend quite a bit of time on your network of relationships, whether that's in order to develop new business opportunities. You need to know who's out there, who's doing what, 
how to to partner with people or who to partner with. Uh, and then also as you're working your way through the project, there's a there's a lot of stakeholders to to manage, to resolve conflict with, to work through issues with, to look for opportunities with. So that that networking piece and relationship building is is probably more important in this industry than in many others. So how do you do you level up those skills that are required when, when you transfer from one industry to another? And, and there may be people listening who perhaps want to break into commercial real estate, but they're currently working in another sector. What, what advice can you give them to help them break through and to demonstrate that, that they can be successful in a, in a new sector? Uh, there's probably two halves to that. So, so the breakthrough piece is a challenge. <laughs> um, so transitioning to a new sector is, is hard. I think if you look at my career breaks, um, they look a little bit random in hindsight. They're usually, mine have certainly been around my change management skills, or my leadership skills and my strategy skills. Um, and so it's been when someone in the particular industry um, I've moved into has been looking for something different. It's when they've been looking for someone from outside the sector who brings transferable skills, yes, but a different way of thinking. Uh, because they haven't been able to crack certain problems with the people they found in their industry or in their business. So that's the path I've found into new industries. You know, if I'm talking to a recruiter or to a line manager and they're looking to tick 12 boxes on the exact criteria for that role, invariably I've not been that person. There's always been someone out there who's got 11 or 12 of those boxes ticked, whereas I've only got half of them. Whereas when someone's looking for something a bit different, whether it be the recruiter or the line manager or typically both, that's where I've been of interest. So so I'm not sure if that's great advice for some people, but um, that's certainly the path I've found into new industries, including to this one. Um, I I came into this quite randomly to run a business that was... um, acquired by Lendlease uh, and I came in purely as a change manager and then I found myself in a construction environment and then slowly morphing into the broader Lendlease business over a period of years. I've taken a look at your LinkedIn profile and it does mention a number of pillars such as strategy, M&A, change management, which you've just mentioned, team building and operations. So it sounds like a a mix of hands-on and also high level. What's your favorite thing about being a leader? Uh, it's all of those. So, so I thrive on variety. So I, I love strategy until it's not being implemented. And then I want to dive down into the detail and help make things happen. Uh, I love the detail until I get bored and want to go back to the big picture. Um, I, I love leading people, but I'm an introvert. So then I like to hide sometimes as well. So uh, I find it's actually the variety of the leadership roles that makes me excited. Uh, so, you know, today I've been uh, mentoring some people. I've been um, trying to understand some new technology that we're looking at bringing into our business and how that might change our business model. Been editing some some documentation for some people. Uh, you know, so I, I really love the this, the sheer variety of all of those things. So it's very hard for me to sort of pin down one of them. Uh, if I had a role that was only one of them, I'd be quite unsatisfied. Uh, it's very much about that that variety piece for me. So, what's the most challenging part of leadership for you? I think I find. I find conflict in the team to be the hardest for me. Often when you go out to hire talent, you can end up with some pretty interesting people and uh, they're all passionate, they're all driven, they all want to achieve things, they've all got their, their particular personality quirks. But collaboration and teamwork is you know, supremely important. Finding the balance between those can be hard um, because you definitely need talent, you need, some, you need some stars, but you also need the star team. Um, that's where I find most of my... The things that get me stressed uh, typically is around resolving conflicts between team members that that are difficult to resolve because I 
I value the talent, I value the contribution from individuals, but I also value the, the cohesive teamwork. And sometimes those, those situations resolve fairly quickly, but I've had a few in my career that have been either you know, six or 12 months of mentoring and coaching to get them resolved. And sometimes they've not been resolved and I've had to make some really hard calls on good people. Um, they're the ones I find the, the most stressful. So when it comes to conflict, it sounds like you don't want to avoid it. You want to actually... Um, tackle it head on and, and try to broker a, a result and, and, and resolve it. Well, I'd like to say that, but um, there's certainly a little bit of conflict avoidance happening in there as well. <laughs> I, I, I think I probably err on, 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 the, on both sides there. I do like to encourage it. There's a couple of little battles going on amongst my team at the moment, which I think are really fruitful. They're actually helping the team and they're helping the individuals. But yeah, I'm certainly guilty of avoiding conflict at other times as well when it's got a bit too hard. And how do you find staying above the fray and being independent? Is that difficult? Mm, I think I'm finding it easier as I get into more senior roles. I think in more junior roles, you have to be more hands-on, you have to be more operational, but that's, that's, that's why you're there. Whereas in more senior roles, you can be, you actually have to leave your senior managers to do a lot more of their own thing. You have to leave them to resolve those situations. You have to stay out of the fray because if, the more you come into it, you're just devaluing them and their role. So in some ways, it's actually easier, I'm finding, that the more senior I become. Right. The more senior you become, the more you understand when you should be delegating and when you should not be uh, taking control of situations and, and letting the team, if you like, resolve them themselves. I think so. And, and the more capable people are of doing it themselves. You know, I, I do find myself coming down and, and then realising, hang on, that person's actually really good. I, I need to give them that extra week or whatever it takes to step up into that void. So you know, I, I do come too low sometimes, but I'm, I'm finding it easier to step up and out because I, I think I recognise the talent in my team more than I did when I was a, a younger manager. Um, who thrived on on micromanagement probably like most. You mentioned there when you were a younger manager. I'm curious to know how do you continue to grow and improve as a leader? Lots of learning. I, um, especially having jumped across different industries, I've had to spend a lot of time learning. There's a mix of, you know, probably like everyone, there's a lot of on-the-job stuff. I, I, I do spend a lot of time asking my people how they do things, learning how they operate, looking at different models, talking to competitors, talking to peers. Um, so an awful lot of on-the-job learning. Um, I've also been lucky enough to have a fair bit of professional development, you know, through Lend-Lease and through prior employees. So anything from the, uh, the company director's course to the Securities Institute course to, you know, smaller pieces on innovation or on, uh, on sales techniques, all those sorts of things. You know, just, just training to keep challenging how I think about things. And as a leader yourself, how much do you take responsibility for developing your talent as opposed to relying on company resources or external consultants to come in and facilitate that leadership development and growth? So I tend to take quite a bit of that on myself in terms of a one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh, relationship. So I will take the time to, to talk people through my thinking and how I see things and understanding where they're up to uh, and just helping to identify any gaps they've got um, and not being critical in that. A gap is a gap. That's fine. Uh, then just talking about how we plug it. And that might be through through my time, things I can teach them. It might be through connecting them to others who I see as being strong in those areas. 
to making sure that, that we join the dots across the business uh, to, to make sure people learn from each other. Um, or it might be plugging in external courses that, that suit what they need. So you know, right now I'm doing a, a big sales training program through the business. So teaching people things like spin training uh, because that's been a gap across the business. Uh, or some train-the-trainer things around that for some of my senior people. Uh, for others, where I'm trying to raise them up to you know, go from being sort of middle-level managers to being future executives in our business, you know, the people who will be succeeding me in, in years to come. Uh, it's going off and doing things like the company director's course or an MBA to make sure they get that that generalist exposure to business skills. But then I'll also spend all the, lots of time giving them opportunities. So, for example, getting them to chair meetings or to, you know, to run the monthly management reporting cycle and to be you know, uh, leading the reporting of those or the, the presentation of those results and the discussion around them to make sure they're getting, in a softer environment, the sort of exposure they need and the sort of accountability they need to start to step up into those future roles so yeah quite a bit of time around that uh, and again more so the more senior i get the more i'm finding i have to spend more time in that space and i get value for money from that time because those people are the ones doing the work they're the ones who are training the people below them so the more time i can invest in them the more they're investing in the business and the people below them you mentioned rotating things like chairing meetings. I think that's a really great strategy to see how people take on that responsibility, how seriously they take it and how well they, they can they can settle into that type of role. Yeah, it's a good way of doing it. So, you know, we've just launched a new weekly operational reporting process um, and having some of the, 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 the junior members of the team actually lead that is great. It, it gets them to think across the whole business it gets them to to be accountable around numbers um, to understand the trends to understand how we need to trade off certain kpis at a lower level in order to hit the higher level ones around profitability or customer satisfaction that you know that nothing's easy <laughs> it gets them into all those those awkward spaces that uh, that senior managers spend most of their time in but but sometimes at the junior level you don't get to so much so it, it's been a really good tool so far for our business and of course it also exposes the team to another approach which they may not get if those people aren't given those opportunities correct correct we are talking about success and I'd like to ask you what you purposefully and routinely focus on that contributes to your own personal success. For me, it's, it's about being in a state of flow, for want of a better word. And I, I don't actually understand all the theory behind that. I kind of know it as a management concept. But when I think about how I operate, I tend to enjoy spending time where I'm happiest and when I'm in flow. That, that's, what, that's what excites me. It's also where I add the most value. So I, I'll tend to spend more time on the things that excite me and where I'm actually getting up into fifth gear. And I'll tend to deprioritize the things that are a bit more boring or mundane and don't excite me so much. Um, there's some downsides to that, clearly. Um, I'll, I'll tend to drop the ball on, on some of the less important or, or mundane things around day-to-day operations around BAU. The flip side is... I enjoy those other things a lot more. And so for me, it's better. And for the business, I think it's also better because the business is getting me in kind of fifth gear, uh, not first gear on a select number of things. So that might be strategy. Uh, it might be operational reporting, which has been the last couple of weeks. It might be crisis management, but uh, it means I'm in top gear on more things more often, um, even though I'm probably dropping the ball on some things at some times. So yeah, that, that's kind of how I find my balance. Um, it might also mean that if I'm not really excited about something, I might just disengage for a little while. Um, I'll go home and 
go for a walk in the afternoon rather than sit at work and pretend I'm adding value if I'm not. Um, I, I find it's just better to get away when I'm in first gear and struggling to get out um, and, and wait for that moment when, it, when something takes me into fifth gear. Well, Rob, we're nearly out of time, but I think there's one piece of advice which could be helpful to some of our listeners, and that would be to the person who's at the start of their real estate career or relatively early in it, but they're quite ambitious and they aim to reach a, a senior regional leadership role in the future, such as like the ones that you have held and currently hold. So what advice would you give that person? So for me, it's about finding a balance early in your career between delivering results in the day job that you have and expanding your horizons and learning so that you can grow into the role of the future. So by that, I mean, you know, finding a, a, a waiting, um, you know, spending eight, probably 80% plus of your time really delivering results because your line manager won't respect you, won't value you and won't promote you to future roles unless you can demonstrate you've added value, you've achieved results. That's the first thing that carves you out as as someone who's worth looking at for a future role. But then you won't get that future role unless you also demonstrate that you've got a broader value add that you're curious, that you're a learner, that you understand how things fit together at a higher level or a more broad level. So you've also got to spend that kind of 10 or 20% of your time out there learning, poking around, understanding what happens in other parts of the business or the industry uh, and broadening your horizons because that'll show a line manager that you can take on a broader role. And the reality is as you move further up into senior roles, they get broader and broader and broader and more complex at each level. So you've got to be getting ahead of that before you can go into those roles. Well, Rob, it's been fantastic having you here on the podcast. I want to say thank you for sharing some of your experience and your views on leadership, on success, talking about strategy, but also those actionable insights, which will really help our listeners achieve their professional goals. Thank you for joining us on CRE Success, the podcast. Thanks, Darren. Really appreciate the opportunity. For more information about our guest, visit CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now a final thought from Darren Krakowiak. Thanks again to Rob for being with us. If you're enjoying the content that we are bringing you, here are two things that you can do to show your appreciation. The first thing is to subscribe to CRE Success, the podcast. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating. That helps others find us and it also gives us a warm and fuzzy feeling inside. If you really love the podcast, you can even leave a written review. But if that sounds like a lot of work, I will gladly settle for you just pushing the five-star rating button to let us know that you are enjoying the show. Now, if you're listening to us on a different platform which doesn't have a rating system, then please do subscribe to us. The second thing that you can do is connect with us on LinkedIn or Instagram. At the start of this year, I made a commitment to my network to post at least one new video every week. And that's a video where I'm speaking to the camera, not a video of cats doing weird stuff. Now, at the moment, the videos feature various backdrops from my balcony in Docklands because filming a video for social media is not one of the permitted reasons to leave the house under the coronavirus restrictions. So, if for no other reason than to count in how many directions I can position the camera on my balcony, please do connect with me on LinkedIn or follow CRE Success on Instagram. The links to do that are in the show notes in your podcast player or you can just Google CRE Success and you'll be able to find me. 
That's all we've got time for this week. Thank you as always for listening and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co. Your workplace is a place for collaboration, for communication and inspiration. As experts in workplace, Unispace knows that no two businesses are the same and the journey to creating your best and most productive space starts with you. Unispace's in-house strategy team provides workplace assessments. They use data to ensure your space is designed to enable maximum productivity and is a place your staff want to be, not just have to be. Visit unispace.com to reinvigorate your workplace.